Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. Today we're in a new series on the book of James, in which we study the relationship between faith and works. For part three, Caleb Carnell teaches us out of chapter three, and we invite you to study along with us. This message was recorded on January 25th, 2024 at Gunter Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. It's a pretty good start so far, I would say. So before we get going on the announcements, I got a couple things that I feel like the Lord wants me to share. First of all, with a night like tonight, with all the technical difficulties, I'm reminded of something that I believe it was Charles Finney said. Because he, he, he traveled a lot to do evangelism and things like that. And he, he, he would often say something to the effect of, well, if there's technical difficulties or something goes wrong, you can probably be expecting that the Lord's going to show up because the devil's trying to stop it. Dang. Dang, so I think good. we saw that in worship just now. Come on. That the Lord's up to something, so be expectant tonight. Secondly... Come on. If anyone is going through a similar season as me where it feels really dry and the Lord feels distant, you might even be angry at him. Just know that he sees you and that the worship can be costly. You can worship him even when sometimes you might not like him because you know that he's worthy and he loves you regardless of that. Dang, that's he will never good. leave you or forsake you, and he is still worthy of worship and he still loves you. Come on. So. Dang. Just want to say that You're real quick. The sermon night? No, 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 no. I love no, no. it. I love Just it. a little word from the Lord, a little personal <laughs> experience good. right That's now. Good. So, well, hey, I see uh, a number of new faces. That's right. Welcome. Good to have Welcome. all of y'all. That's right. Um, just, just for for y'all, we're uh, we're here every Thursday night during while school's in session at 7 p.m. And um, I don't think we're going to stray from that too much this semester, but we'll let yeah. you know with you know, plenty of advance notice. That's right. You can also follow our social media, which we'll mention in a minute. That's so. right. Also, for all of our new, new people especially, just want to say again, welcome. We love having you. You're always welcome no matter what. And secondly, if you want to get even more welcomed, even more plugged in, even more feel like a family, just know that we have small groups going on throughout the week. Um, one last time, can I get all the small group leaders to stand up or raise your hand? So if you're new, feel free to reach out to one of these people if they haven't already reached out to you, and just know that you are welcome. And, uh, you know, sometimes, in, like, okay, you can sit down. You can sit down. Um, you know, sometimes if you're at, like, a message or something like that, like tonight, you can't raise your hand and ask questions. I mean, you could, but it'd be a little awkward. In small group, you can really get in there deep and wrestle and argue and have fun and have food usually. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, come on. Well, hey, uh, every week we gather as a ministry to pray for this campus for each other, for um, you know everything going on in the world, and that is at 2 p.m. on Tuesdays in yeah. Campus Commons. And so uh, usually, I, I don't know if, is the room like the same every week? Is it going to be 1,300 again? 2,300. 2,300. In the yeah, CC? Right. In the CC. Okay. 2 p.m. on Tuesdays. If you're free, it would be awesome to have you there, and we can intercede for our campus together. Yeah, that's right. So feel free to come get prayed up, get blessed, you know what I mean? So secondly, now, or now we're going to talk about our fundraiser that's coming up, the Texas Roadhouse Texas fundraiser, Roadhouse. okay? So this is a big deal, right? So on the 29th and 30th of this month, also we'll have two days next month, 
If you go in on the 29th or 30th between 3 p.m. and 9 p.m., and most importantly, you have one of these flyers. You need the flyer. Then 10% of whatever you buy, including if you just want to get some rolls and a drink, that's fine. Just get a drink so that way we get 10% of that. You know what I mean? And that way all that money goes towards missions, helping fund, you know, different retreats and things like that. And that way all that we get to do, you all can contribute and also get well fed. So just make sure to get some of these flyers outside on your way out and go get, and go get some food. Heck yeah. yeah. All right, next up, um, we still have some T-shirts left. So if you want to grab a T-shirt, they're down to $15. And um, they look great. Honestly, I, I love them. I love my T-shirts. They're also very um, flattering. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. They look they, Guys, yeah. man, ooh, man. Man, they're a little tight around the arms. Tight, looking good. Super tight around the arms. And man, yeah, you, you know, know what I mean. It really accentuates the bicep. So you know good. What I'm so, uh, yeah, we also, we're also on social media. You can connect with us on YouTube. We post our sermons every week. So if you miss a week, you can catch it up on YouTube. Uh, we got an Instagram. Check it out, or at XAUNC. That's right. All right, next up we got offering. Hey, all right. So let me encourage you with this real quick. As someone who tends to, you know, freak out about money more than I should, right? So with offering, there's only one time in the entire Bible that God tells us to test him. It's in Malachi, and it's talking about tithing or just, more simply put, offering, right? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We're not going to guilt anyone into giving, but just know that if you do give or if, you get pl- if you're fed here and you want to contribute, the Lord honors that, he blesses that, and it's the one time you can test him, and he will always show up in abundance to provide for you. And just know, man, like, y'all, like, it doesn't go into our pockets as much as sometimes I wish it did. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but it doesn't go into our pockets. It goes straight back to you to provide for every, every fun event, anything where there's free food, anything like that. It goes back to you. So thank you for investing in, in, in this ministry, and we love you. Amen. Also, right. I guess I should pray for offering. Huh? Yeah, I pray for okay, offering. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much that you have provided each and everything that we need, so much so that even when it seems like we don't have a lot, you've given us all we need and we can contribute back to everything that you do for us. So, Lord, help us. God, bless us with a cheerful heart to give, even if whatever it might seem little or large, may you be glorified in it all. And, God, we give it to you, and we ask for your help in this. God, give us a faith to give. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, hey, last announcement of the night. We are, once again, because there's nowhere else, uh, doing After Dark as always. This is a great time to... Uh, Get some food. Zoe's doesn't care if you show up with food. So get, grab some food. Go uh, play some board games. Hang out. Um, you know, it's, it's always a really good time. And they're open till midnight, too. So, yeah. Awesome. And one last thing, real quick. So every, most of the, every week, we're trying to have people come up and give testimonies. So if you would give a warm welcome to our testimony for this evening, live. live. Let's go. I feel like most of you guys know my testimony, but if you don't, you're going to find out right now. Um, so <laughs> I didn't grow up in a household where we, like, talked about God or really went to church. Um, we only went to church on, like, special holidays like Christmas and Easter. And so the idea of Jesus and anything biblical was, like, so foreign to me for so many years. Um, and with that, I never really had a place to put any of my difficulties, anything like that. I grew up in a very um, 
emotionally and verbal abusive household. And so I struggled a lot throughout um, middle school and then um, elementary school and middle school just with depression and getting bullied a lot. And so I held it all in for so many years. Um, and then high school came around, I was known as like the goody two shoots child. I never did anything bad until um, my senior year and then kind of went downhill from there. And that's kind of when I got into the drugs and the alcohol and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was still struggling a lot with um, depression. I had an eating disorder for a whole bunch of years throughout that as well. And so um, my flash forward to second semester of my freshman year, um, I kind of went through a big ordeal with my roommate. Um, I had to switch dorms. I had to file a whole bunch of um, lawsuit stuff. And um, it got to a point where I literally lost all hope. I went home for Christmas break, told my mom, didn't want to go back. I, like, there was nothing here for me. I was so, so far away from anywhere of being good. Um, and I remember I've never really prayed. I, like, didn't really know, like, you know, what that is or, like, how you even do that or who you're talking to. And so I remember one night I... Something happened, it was like my breaking point, and I remember falling to my knees and just praying. And I remember I was like, God, if you are what I've heard of in previous times, like I need something to switch. Um, and then literally the next day, I got an email from the dorm saying I have a room to myself in a completely different building. Um, and just things started picking up from there, and I finally felt like I had a place to put my hope and a place, um, a father figure that I've never had before. And so um, I actually found Kai Alpha, I DM them on Instagram. And um, that's when I met Sam. Um, she was my small group leader. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, and so I mean, my testimony is still going, like just because like, I love Jesus now does not mean that my testimony is over and that does not mean that my life has gotten any easier but I have a father in heaven who is way more um, mighty than any trial that I might face and so yeah that's my testimony that was really good thank you Liv for uh, being a little vulnerable and coming up here and so uh, yeah, we want to do that every week. So, you know, if you're interested, let us know. Um, next up, is that your phone? <laughs> oh, man, it's the wife. Uh-oh, George's in trouble. No, just kidding. Just kidding. So, the man of the hour. The one and only. No. Yes. Caleb Carnell. Sorry, George, I'm moving something. Yes, please. How about this? Party foul. <laughs> and not only do we have technical difficulties, but um, hardware difficulties, it seems like. <laughs> Oh, good evening, Chi Alpha. Hey, Caleb. Hey, yeah. Caleb. 
Yeah, I just want to say it is an honor to be up here to uh, give the word to you guys this evening. Uh, just want to say, did you guys hear what Jake was saying before announcements about being expectant for God to speak to us tonight? Like, what would happen if we came to every Thursday night just expecting God to do something? If we came to every small group expecting God to do something, waking up every morning just in expectance of God to do something. You know, I think about that often as if, if I'm limiting God and what he can do just because my expectations are down or because uh, I'm, I'm not looking for anything Christian that day. Or I'm just trying to come to large group and, uh, and get it over with or, go, or just get through small group. Am I limiting what God is wanting to do? And I sure hope not. And Lord, show us if we are. Uh, uh, Lord, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. Jesus, speak to us tonight. Be with us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, it's been a little while since I've last been up here uh, preaching, and so there's been a couple of life updates. I uh, married my really good friend. There she is. If you know, you know. No, that was uh, that was probably the second best decision I've ever made, other than following Jesus. And yes, I love her dearly. She is up there doing slides and probably blushing right now, and she's amazing. <laughs> but as you guys know, we have been going through the book of James, and we are on chapter three this week. See, but it's my conviction that we don't just, when we read scripture, we don't just look at it in a magnifying glass up close, but we also look at it at a bird's eye view. You guys know what I mean? Because we don't just read Bible verse. We read Bible verses. We don't just look at one scripture at a time. We look at scripture as a whole. You guys know James was written as a letter. It was not written chapter at a time. It was not written with intention of you, uh, of like other novels written today, where you can put a bookmark in the middle of it and set it down, pick it up the next morning. So I would challenge you guys, whether it's within your small groups or just on your own personal time, read through this letter for yourself. Read through all, all, it's only five chapters, it's not, a, not very long, you can do it in, in one sitting. It doesn't, take, it doesn't take long at all, but it's very important that we get the whole, uh, the, the entirety of what the author is trying to say. And so when we look at scripture, I always like to look at who the author was, what was the purpose of writing it, who was the audience, who, were, who was the audience writing to? You see, Duncan, uh, back in back in a couple weeks ago, when he covered James 1, he talked a, a little bit about this, how James was the half-brother of Jesus. So it gives him a lot, of, uh, a lot of credibility. You see, Mary had other children after Jesus was born, and two of those children ended up writing letters that became a part of your Bible. This was James and Jude. But what is amazing is that neither James or Jude wrote in their letters that they were brother of Jesus. It shows the humility they had. Jude actually just says he refers to himself as a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Doesn't even give him the, himself the, his own title of the half-brother of Jesus. 
I mean, I mean, how many guys would be bragging that a lot if you were in their shoes? Believe. So we know that of the 12 disciples, there were two of them named James. Or as Duncan t- shared with us a couple weeks ago, uh, the, it was Yagov, or a really closer translation is uh, Jacob. <laughs> That's right. That's spelled correctly. <laughs> so I'm saying that because it was clearly a common name. I mean, if you take 12 people and two of them are named, are named uh, James or Yaakov, it's, it's a common name in your culture, just as, as common as we have a lot of Jacobs in our midst. <laughs> just a couple. But what the Gospels tell us is that James actually did this was I do not believe that this was the same James that was in the 12 disciples because the gospels tell us that that Jesus' brothers did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah before his crucifixion. If I think I have a slide next that is a that is a picture of James this was a high def camera back in the day but the uh, <laughs> anyway next slide I believe I have some scripture up there for you. So Mark chapter 3, verses uh, 20 and 21, it says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again the crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Some of your translations may say, He is beside himself. It means he's insane. They, be- they, believe- they did not know what Jesus was saying, how- what he was talking about, so they thought uh, he was just insane. So then you skip down a few verses, it says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and mother. You see, See, this was, this was likely where uh, James was in this midst. He was likely one that did not believe that, that Jesus was, was speaking truth. When they said he is beside himself, it was, it was certainly a way of just saying he's insane. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so they were trying to corral him before he said anything else. And so that's why Jesus, in the context, said, well, who are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters? They were trying to stop him from teaching. Another instance in Scripture is in John 7, starting verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Some of your translations may say Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. It doesn't say even his brothers aside from James. Or even his brothers aside from James and Jude didn't believe him. His brothers did not believe who said he was. And as a matter of fact, this festival, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. It takes place, this is, uh, you can look this up. It's on uh, a lot of calendars. It always takes place around October. Now, this is about six months before Jesus was crucified. Jesus was crucified, we know, on Passover. Uh, in, that's in April, which is always right around Easter. I don't know why we don't have Easter on the same day. Because that's when, that's when Scripture says that Jesus was crucified. But... 
We know that the Feast of Tabernacles takes place around September, October, and we know that Jesus was crucified in around April, which, so this was only about six months before Jesus was crucified. And so even as, as late as after Jesus has done his ministry for two and a half years, doing miracles, healing the sick, healing the blind, and all of his preaching, his brothers did not even believe that he was the Christ. And we also know in, that Jesus revealed himself to James personally after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 and 7, Paul writes this. He says, he, who's, he's talking about Jesus, uh, was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then verse 7, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. If James was part of the 12, Paul wouldn't be including him in this list. So this is, so this is how we know that this is a different James than the one of the 12. You see, if you look at history, James becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He ends up becoming a, uh, one of the elders, and it's a very key uh, position in Jerusalem. It's a very uh, busy city. It's a, it's a holy city to, uh, to the Jews, of course, and, of course, it had Roman occupation in it. So it was a big responsibility for James to be the elder of this, of this church. He was a man of integrity and a man very steadfast, so much so he earned the nickname James the Just. Some of you may have heard that before. He was James the Just. How honorable of a nickname for that to be. And after Pontius Pilate, Rome had a number of governors in Jerusalem. And there was a gap between two of them for about two months where there was no Roman governor in Jerusalem. The Sanhedrin, the uh, elder Jews, had, took advantage of this and seized James and delivered him to be stoned to death. Since Roman law prohibited stoning, they took advantage of this gap of, of, of governors. And so they stoned him to death. And after he died, the people were able to look closely at his body and they noticed that he had knees that were like a camel's, camel knees, <laughs> because he had spent so much time on his knees praying wow. that it, it formed his knees. So we know this about James. He's a humble man. He did not brag about his, uh, his relationship to Jesus. He was a just man, a very steadfast man who was always fair. And he was a man of prayer. And this was the man who wrote this letter that found its way in your Bible. So we look at the, we look at the man, we can look at his, his writings. We can understand a little bit more where he's coming from. And we can see, we can see his character throughout his, his letter. So let's get into the text. James 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters... Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. I'm going to pause right there. I promise we will not be going verse by verse through this whole section, but this is a very important verse to stop at. Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So then I would ask, well, what 
does that mean not many of you should be teachers? What is a teacher in the church? So is a teacher somebody that goes out and shares the gospel? I would say no. And I think the Bible would say no, too. Matthew 28, 18, it was a very, very common verse. It says, uh, Jesus came and told his disciples after the resurrection. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So from what Jesus said, all Christians are supposed to share the gospel. So does sharing the gospel make you a teacher? No. Sharing the gospel is a responsibility that we are all given. Sharing the gospel is base level. <laughs> See, James is not saying that you are all absolved of responsibility except for the teachers. He's not saying that only the pastors can, can preach the gospel and the rest can just sit. He is saying that we should not all be teachers, and the NLT adds, in the church. I believe that's a, that's, that's a more accurate um, heart behind what James is saying. If you've been a Christian for 20 years or 20 minutes, you have responsibility. If you know Jesus at all, you have responsibility to, well, for what you know. If you know that Jesus is good, if you know that Jesus is Lord and that he died for you and he wants to reconcile people to himself, then you have responsibility to share that. And now I gave you more responsibility because I read those verses of the Great Commission. You know that Jesus said this, so you have a responsibility as Christians to go and share the gospel, to share your faith. This is a commandment. So what James is saying is that not all should be teachers. We need plenty that can be that need to work. <laughs> we need plenty of people in the marketplace. We need plenty of people that are uh, to help serve the church. So even if you never get a microphone, or even if you never pastor a church, or you never have a small group, even you are not uh, you. You are not any less of a Christian. You are not any less of a person, and God will not give you any more or less brownie points when you face judgment day. That's right. He hears. So uh, we have uh, we do have LTC coming up, and we uh, will start announcing it more pretty soon. But we're opening up to the entire ministry to give a chance to give you guys some tools about. Uh, about how to share your faith properly, about how to do this no matter where you are. Now, is a small group leader a teacher? I would say depends on how you lead small group. <laughs> you know, some of the best small groups that we have ever had is when we don't teach. Is a lot of times when we read scripture and we just say what we just read what the Bible says together. We learn it together. So if you don't know a lot. That's okay. You're still qualified. I just want to put that in there because I would say that you don't have to be a teacher to be a small group leader. You don't have to be. Uh, this is I, I, James is not necessarily talking about you when you when he's talking about uh, when leading people to Christ. You don't have to be a teacher to make friends. You don't have to be a teacher 
to live life with people. Anyway, let's keep reading. So in verse 2, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest fire. And among all the other parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Now, there was a story I heard of a preacher who, one Sunday morning, he was, reading, he was about to read this, uh, this, this verse, preach on it. And he gets up there and tells the congregation, he says, I'm going to show you now the part of my body that causes me to sin the most. And as you can imagine, the, the crowd has a stunned silence and doesn't know what to do, whether to run. And then the preacher just looks and goes, And it is true, that is the part, more often than not, that can cause us to sin and stumble the most. In our culture, it seems as if we praise those who can't control their tongue. Man, that person just tells it like it is, doesn't he? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Let me tell them what I think about this. If you guys have ever read the book of Job, you know that his, that's exactly what uh, Job's friends were saying before, but they were not saying very wise things. I've held my tongue long enough, but now I just can't anymore. And they end up saying very wrong things about what's going on. And although the person who can't control their tongue may make us laugh every now and then, I guarantee you it gets them more in trouble more often than not. Guys, if we want to be conformed to the image of God, if we want to act like Jesus and to be righteousness, we need to be able to control our tongue. And, you know, taming our tongue is not just about keeping our mouth shut when we want to say something. It is also about speaking up and saying something even when we don't want to. You know, some of you here are very naturally talkative, and that's okay. And some of you here are very naturally quiet. That's okay, too. But I would tell you that uh, no matter which camp you're in, if you're uh, one end or the other or somewhere in the middle, this scripture applies to you. Do you speak up when you see injustice or unrighteousness? Do you rebuke your brother or your sister in Christ when he or she is sinning? When your unbelieving friend is 
sad, depressed, and doesn't know where to turn, do you tell them how much Jesus loves them? You see, when I was preparing this message, I began to think about some of the words that I've spoken just in the past couple months. And, you know, not just the words I can say in a small group setting or even when I'm up here preaching. Like, these are easy to control, quite honestly. But what about the words that you say when you're tired, you're frustrated, you're angry? You know, know, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. And that includes your tongue. That includes what you say. When we're tired, angry, frustrated, that's when we most want to dishonor others who are made in the image of God. That is most when we want to say something that we don't mean, but we can't take back. And I think I also thought about all the times that I did not speak up, but I should have, and I regret it. Now, there's so many instances, and Jesus shares parables in Scripture about not, not the person who did something that he shouldn't have, but the person who didn't do something and should have. And all this reminds me of how much I need Jesus. I need his mercy. I need his sanctification. I need him to forgive me of my past. I need him to transform me and change me and sanctify me for my future. The good news is that Jesus can be with us. He can help us, and he does help us. He will. He does have mercy, and he does forgive. You know, in, uh, in, in Hebrew, says, it says that if people repent, that he will, that he, he will for, forgive their sins, and he will remember his, their sins no more. He will remember their sins no more. Now, that goes a lot more than just forgiving. That's forgetting, too. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That does not mean that with our words we can raise the dead. Does not mean we name it, claim it. That does not mean we say something will happen, and it does. Of course, there's an aspect of positive positive attitude and having a positive outlook that a lot of times if you you say something good's going to happen, then you're going to expect something to happen. There's that aspect, but that does not mean that our tongue creates or destroys physically. It does mean that if I say, if I, if I tell my wife something that I don't really mean, and that, that's going to hurt a lot more than if I say it alone. It also means if I say something encouraging to her when she's down, or I don't say something when I should keep my mouth shut, then that, that can be life-giving. Or just very practically, you see somebody that's upset, hey, Jesus loves you. It doesn't mean you're creating or you're, building, you're physically building something up, but the tongue does have the power of life and death. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is Jesus talking. He says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Every idle word you speak. He's telling us that our words reflect 
what is in our hearts. If you're having a hard time controlling your tongue, well, ask the Lord, God, what is in my heart? He'll show you. You may not like it, but he will. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I rarely, something I rarely do, I rarely tell, an, especially an unbeliever, not to curse, not to cuss. I, I, I just usually don't. Yet I'm amazed when I see that same person come to Christ that one of the first fruits that I, I see is they tend to stop cussing. I never say it, but a lot of times they, that, that's usually the first thing that happens. They may slip up every now and then, but overall, like, there's, there's a different change in vocabulary, and I would say that's a different change in heart. It is an evidence that God has changed their heart. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If the mouth is speaking pure, then their heart, that shows what it's in their hearts. I would challenge you guys to look at your hearts. What is, what is coming out of your mouth? What is, what are you speaking? What do you say when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're frustrated, when you're tired? That's going to reveal what's in your hearts. Anybody can be nice when, when everything's going well. But your characters can be tested when, th when things are going wrong. Another thing that taming the tongue means is that we don't gossip. We can't gossip. See, the church has never been destroyed from the outside. The church has never been destroyed from the outside. It has always come from within. When I was in college. I was in, I was in Chi Alpha. I've been a part of Chi Alpha as a student and staff for about six years now. My, when, uh, my junior year of college, I was put in a group project, and one of members was uh, in Chi Alpha, and then the other two were a couple sorority girls. And I was amazed at with these sorority girls, how they were talking about their friends. I called them out on it. You guys are so mean right now. This is your friend. Like, why are you call why are you saying so these things about them? And it was like, and they're dancing around it. Oh no, I don't mean it. Like, blah. But they did stop after I told them that. And I, I just realized how blessed I was that around the small group that I was in, around the group of community I was in, that we weren't talking about people like that. And I would challenge you guys that if that is in your, if that is in your small group, if that is in your friend group, or even if, if especially if it's with other believers, that this that gossip, although it seems harmless, will destroy every single time. And I don't even need to tell you what gossip is. I think we know. What is dishonoring to others behind their back? Jesus said that they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. The way you love one another. See, it makes no difference if you and your small group are, uh, imagine you have, uh, you have somebody in your small group who's really struggling with maybe something financially, and you and your small group decide to rally around them, raise up some money, and to give to this person so they can, they can uh, be helped out. And as they're coming to thank you, they hear you talking behind, they hear this, they hear them, you guys talking behind their back saying, oh, I can't believe that so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. That whole act of kindness 
completely wasted by the gossip. It doesn't matter what kind of good deeds we do for somebody if we can't honor them. If we can't talk about, if we can't talk good behind them or if there's really nothing to say, don't say anything. There's a story about a uh, woman in France who she goes to a priest. This was back uh, uh, probably in the 1700s or so. She says, Father, I have been gossiping and I need to be forgiven. And the priest says, okay, well, first you need to do penance. She says, okay, well, what do I need to do? And he said, well, go and uh, pluck every feather off uh, two chickens and put it in the bag, bring it here. Okay, so she goes and plucks uh, every feather off a couple chickens, brings it to, it's a, uh, okay, he said, now uh, go and take those feathers and, and just throw them all throughout the village, spread them around uh, everywhere you can until the bag is empty. She says, okay, so she's wanting to do this carefully, so she goes out into the village, she takes a handful and, and spreads it around and over and over, all up and down the streets. And she comes back and said, okay, I'm done. Uh, now can I be forgiven? He said, okay, one thing first. You need to go pick all of those up. And she said, I will never be able to pick those up. That's impossible. And he says, and that is the effect that the gossip has had on this village. You can never take it all back of what you've said and what is. Okay. Now Jesus does forgive us. But the effects of, of gossip especially, they, sometimes they, they'll never recover. See, James calls it a tiny spark that can set a great forest fire. You know, in high school, I had a, a very interesting class. It was all about wildland, wildland firefighting. It's very interesting. And when uh, wildland firefighters, they're called hotshots, that when they deal with these fires, they can't just simply extinguish the fire. They can't just take a, uh, a hose and, and down. What they have to do is they have to build a fire line. See, these guys on there, that's what they're doing. What they have to do is they have to remove all of the debris, every, anything that can possibly catch fire. They have to make a whole line around it. So they can't even, they can't extinguish the fire. They can only hope to contain it. See, and this is what gossip can do if we're not careful. You see, in the, we, we see what, the, what a fire looks like. We all know what a wildland fire looks like. There's fuel everywhere, and just a small spark will, will just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. So I ask you, are you building a fire line? Do you let these, when gossip comes, do you allow that? to keep spreading through you or do you keep getting burned too? What does that look like? Somebody, somebody comes and says something like, oh, did you hear about what? I don't want to hear it because whatever you tell me, I'm going to go tell them directly. You stop it right then and there. You do not entertain it. We shut it down because it will destroy us. Whatever has been spoken can never be taken back. I saw this thing that if you, uh, if you were to amplify all the vibrations world, you can, actually, uh, you can actually would be able to hear every single word that's ever been spoken. Because the vibrations, they don't go away. They just get um, minuscule and you can't, uh, to a point we can't hear them anymore. 
So every, every word that you've ever spoken is still there. It's still out there. And we will give account for every single one of those words. But thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Let's keep reading the last bit of the chapter. Verse 13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with the truth, with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Uh, praise team can come back up. That's right. <laughs> it's an obligation now. <laughs> See, James here is giving us a very practical test to, sh to know what kind of wisdom is which. Godly wisdom is selfless. Worldly wisdom is selfish. He spells it out clearly in verse 13. Doing good works with humility comes from wisdom. It is wise, guys, to do good works. So wisdom from above is pure. I love how the text even says, willing to yield to others, putting others first. Paul says in Philippians 2.3 to think of others as greater than yourself. You know, he doesn't say... Treat others as greater than yourself. That's too easy. You know, I've worked in customer service. I know how to treat others really well. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. How, when, how many times when that same customer who is rude to you, but you, think, but you treat them very well, and the second they leave, oh, I can't believe. Wow. It's hard to think of others as greater than yourself if we are not humble. If we don't humble ourselves and try to act like Jesus, we can't think of others as greater than ourselves. Jesus did not come into this world to be served, but to serve. And he demonstrated servanthood before he died by washing his disciples' feet, taking the lowliest position to serve not just to treat others as greater than ourselves, but to really think of others as greater than ourselves. Now, God is wanting us to lead pure lives, and he will help us. Well, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. The Proverbs teach us how to live wisely. And in scripture, being wise is being good, and being good is being wise. And it tells us how to be good and how to be wise and how to live pure. And that is, that's what wisdom is. A wise man is a godly man and a godly man is a wise man. Indistinguishable in God's eyes. 
so as we wrap up tonight, I want you guys to take some time in prayer. I want you guys to ask the Lord to examine your heart, to really ask him, God, show me what I'm missing. Is my heart corrupt right now? Do I really think of people as greater than myself? Am I gossiping? Am I saying the wrong things? Lord, show me. And I, want, I don't want us to just say that and move on to, move on to the singing. Because this is worship too. Praying and honoring God. Asking the Lord. Go. And when you ask, you know, he will answer. I believe that tonight, that you guys, you ask, you pray, you seek the Lord, that he will respond. He'll tell you. He'll show you what, what we're missing. He wants us to live like him. You know, he's not throwing us out to the wolves. Just say, oh, good luck. Here's a book. Here. No, he's going to live life with us. He's going to show us how to be like him. So, Father, we thank you tonight for who you are. Lord, we pray that you show us who you are. You show us where we're lacking and show us what we need. Lord, lead us gently. Give us insight and wisdom. Show us, Jesus, who you are. We love you. Help us live like you. In your name we pray. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at XAUNC, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.